your prom date. When everyone said, change it up, you said, no thanks. Thank you, Dad, for your impeccable time management. You squeeze snaps into your busy schedule with ninja-like precision. Here a nap, there a nap, anywhere a nap nap. We tip our caps to you, Dad, for your sweet dance moves. Tossing aside social norms, you shine like a star. You shimmy and shake to the beat of your own drop, a beat that only you can hear. Thank you for being a dad, Dad. Happy Father's Day. Does any of you fathers relate to any of those three things? Yeah, we got one person. The rest of you are liars. Two? Yeah. Who does the dance move one specifically? Yeah. Yeah, me too. We should have a dad dance off one week. <clears throat> Welcome to Conroe Bible Church. If you're one of our guests, we're glad that you're with us this morning. If you're joining us online, we're glad that you're joining us as well. Um, I just have one quick announcement. Um, this week uh, is the uh, beginning of kids camp. So if you have not yet signed up your kindergarten through fifth grader, um, you should go ahead and get that done. You can do that by going to the church website or signing up uh, on the uh, church center app on your phone. Either way, we'll get you there um, to get your kiddos signed up. Uh, but let's stand and we're, and we're going to begin together. Healer, awesome in power, our God, our 
surrounded by your grace when my strength is gone i won't be afraid you are with me
eternity's shore Where death is just a memory And tears are no more We'll enter in as the wedding bells ring Your bride will come together And we'll sing your beautiful Father, we thank you this morning for the life that we find in you. We thank you for loving us, for being near to us. And we ask this morning that you would be honored by our worship, that you would be near to our hearts and make us more like Jesus today. We pray in his name. Amen. You guys can have a seat. We have the privilege this morning on Father's Day of a uh, of two baby dedications. We have uh, Silas, the son of Josh and Abby Geraldo, and we have Josie Marie Smith, the daughter of Kaylin and Jessica Smith, and she brought along Jenna and Kai. So they're going to uh, witness this with us. And it's a great opportunity for us to celebrate as a church family as they make a commitment to the Lord. Uh, this is not, this does, has nothing to do with the salvation of the child other than by God's grace, they get to be raised in a home with parents that are committed to pointing them to Jesus. I want to start by reading one of my favorite passages um, on discipling our children from Deuteronomy 6, uh, verses 5 through 7. And then I've got two questions for them, and I've got one question for you in terms of your support of them in uh, discipling their children to Jesus. So let me read from Deuteronomy 6. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and daughters, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. Discipleship is 24-7. So. so, Josh and Abby and Kaylin and Jessica, do you guys profess Jesus Christ as your Savior? Okay. And do you commit today to raise your children, Silas and Josie, according to the nurture and admonition of the Lord, according to his word? Great. Okay, we've laid down a challenge to them, and now we're going to lay down one to you. Will you, will we, as a church family, commit to supporting these families and these two children as they grow up physically, that we would be part of their nurturing spiritually? Uh, whether through prayer, encouragement, uh, equipping of their parents, support, or even teaching in children's uh, areas, ministry, or student ministry as they grow up. Will you commit to that? Yes. Thank you. 
We will now uh, offer a prayer of dedication over each child. So if you'll join me in prayer, we'll start with Silas. Hey, buddy. Shall we pray? Dear Jesus, thank you so much for Silas. I thank you, Lord, for the life that you have given him and for the way that you have crafted him uniquely in the womb. And you are the one that has designed him. You know what the days of his life will be. And we pray that at a very early age, he would come to know Jesus Christ as his Savior. We pray for Josh and Abby, that you would give them discernment and stamina as they seek to understand him and seek to understand your word and to bring it to bear on his life. And we pray that he would come to know Christ at an early age. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for saving my glasses. <laughs> and then Josie, let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for Josie. I thank you again that you have crafted her in the womb. You know exactly what you want her to be. You know the temperament and personality and the gifts and the skills that she has now and will continue to develop over her life. I thank you for giving her to Kaylin and Jessica and for their love of you. And I pray that you would give them a deeper understanding of your word and an ability to be able to teach her, to point her to you. And we pray that by your grace, she would come to know and know and love you, Jesus, and receive you as Savior at an early age and be able to experience your grace lifelong. Pray for stamina and for strength. And for both these marriages, Lord, I pray that you would give them strength and oneness and unity as they face this task of parenting. And we commit them to you in Christ's name. Amen. She's a doll. Got her? Okay. All right. Thank you guys for participating with us in this uh, dedication of our children. I want to thank you guys. And I'm going to have to stay, so you can go ahead and leave. Thank you. <laughs> and we will dismiss uh, Sunshine Kids Club. So if you're in K through grade five, feel free to head out to uh, your time of worship. And if you're a guest with us, feel free to go with them and meet uh, the teaching staff over there. join me in prayer as we look to God's word. Dear Jesus, thank you for this day and for the, the great uh, time that we can have to honor our fathers. And Lord, we ask for the grace to do that in a loving and honoring way. We thank you that uh, you, uh, Father, are our Father, and that you ultimately care for us. And we thank you, Jesus, that you're present with us through the indwelling Holy Spirit. And we ask that even today as we uh, honor dads and celebrate
families and even celebrate together as a church family that uh, you would touch our hearts with your word as we look at what it means to be faithful, lifelong with you, whether we're a dad or not. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. We laid down a challenge for Kaylin and Jessica and for Josh and Abby, and they accepted it. We asked them, basically, will you be faithful in your parenting? Will you respond to what God has given you through his word? And will you apply that not only to your own relationship with Jesus and relationship with each other, but your relationship with your children? And then I turned and asked you if you would be part of that as a church family. Are we willing to sacrifice the time and energy that goes into that? And again, this is a perfect time for me to thank you once again, all of you, especially in our children's ministries, many that are over there right now, uh, in our Awana ministry on uh, Wednesday nights, and then with our uh, high school and junior high ministries. Uh, I want to thank you guys that are on the front lines, uh, giving time, energy, love to disciple our children and our students to Jesus. And when I asked that question, uh, I didn't think it was 100%, but uh, I, I think there was a, a high percentage there of commitment on our part. You answered in the affirmative. And so we have laid down a challenge, and it's been accepted. People want to be faithful. If we went back about eight days, we could uh, look at Rachel and Stephen and say they made a commitment to be faithful when they took their vows in the covenant of the marriage to be faithful not only to each other but to the Lord. And a month from now, we've got Hannah Zimmer and Jose Olivares preparing to make that same commitment. Scripture is full of opportunities to make a decision to walk with Jesus, to dedicate our lives to him, to be faithful. And that's what he calls us to, to be faithful in our lives, to be a people that will follow him. And it's tough because we live lives that are stressed. We face spiritual warfare. We have ever-changing physical status. We have changing economic status. We have all kinds of fears and anxieties, not to mention relational issues. And so it can be hard when those things begin to crowd out faithfulness to Jesus Christ instead of just pushing us toward him to lean on him. Today, we want to look at Joshua. We're in a, in a series on men of faith. We're going to look at Joshua as a man of faith, a man who responded to the Lord God. And what we see is a man who leaned on the Lord himself and a man who was willing to lead others. So that's what we'll see, basically, his principles to, to lead ourselves to lean on the Lord, and principles for leading others. So obviously, there's a direct application for the fathers here, and I include myself there, that there are principles for us as we walk with Jesus and principles as we lead those around us. But I hope you see that the application applies to all of us. Because the principles of God's word are true and eternal, and they apply to everyone, whether you are single or married or a mother or a father, a grandparent, 
it applies to all of us. And so I invite you in and ask that uh, you would open your heart to God's grace today to, to hear from him. We're going to look at the life of, of Joshua. And the first thing we're going to do is turn to Joshua 24. So it's the very last chapter in the book. And this is where he, near the end of his age, end of his age, end of his, <laughs> when he's old and about to die. He uh, gives this statement, and it's a command at the beginning of verse 24, verse 14. This is what he says. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worship beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And so he gives a command. Positive. Fear the Lord, serve him in all faithfulness. It's a call to faithful living. So regardless of who you are, whether you're Joshua, leader of Israel after Moses, or anyone leader of a tribe, or just a member of a tribe, or a child of a member of a tribe, serve the Lord with all faithfulness. Then the negative side is throw away all those gods. The ones, he's going all the way back to Abraham and the Ur of Chaldees beyond the Euphrates River. Get rid of those gods, the sun god, the moon god. Get rid of those gods in Egypt, all those gods of natural disasters. And get rid of the God of the Amorites, the land in which you are now, the God of sexual immorality. That's not what they call it. And the God of fertility. and serve the Lord. That's going to be the end product as we walk through these principles. Serve the Lord. Now, do you remember Joshua? Do you remember his story? He was 40 years old when the Israelites left Egypt. And so when they crossed the Red Sea, he's 40 years old. And he is, from the very start, he's a faithful leader. And he's one that's called on in various ways. So they crossed the Red Sea. And, and Moses says, hey, we need a military commander to fight against Amalek and the Amalekites, because they are pursuing us. So Joshua goes out, and he uses his military abilities to defeat Amalek. Next time that we see him, we see Moses, depending on Joshua. Moses is his mentor, and Moses takes him up on Mount Sinai. He doesn't go all the way to the top with Moses, but he goes about halfway up and stays there while Moses goes to the top and receives the Ten Commandments. The third time we see him is that he is one of the 12 spies that goes into the land. Remember how Moses said, give me one man, one leader from each tribe. We're going to send them into the land to spy out 40 days. And Joshua was one of those. He and Caleb were the only two of the 12 that said, we can take this land in the strength of the Lord. The other 10 said, no way. Those people are huge. They are fortified in cities. They are warriors, and we can't fight them. And so the people around, you know, just took up their normal chorus and said, why did you bring us out here? We could have died in Egypt just as easily. And the Lord's anger burned, and Moses interceded. And the Lord didn't kill all the people right then and choose the new people. What he did was say, I will let you wander one year for every day that they spied out the land. Forty days in the land, 40 years wandering. That generation is going to die off. 
and the next generation will go into the land that I have promised to my people. So Joshua and Caleb are the only two people that enter the land. And then finally, toward the end of the book of Numbers, and we see it again in Deuteronomy, God tells Moses to commission Joshua to be the next leader of Israel. And we read at the end of Deuteronomy chapter 34 that the people listened to Joshua. They took God's words to heart as given by Moses. And so that was the passing of the baton to Joshua. Joshua is 40 years old when they leave Israel. He's 40 years more as they wander in the wilderness. So he's 80 years when they're ready to arrive in the land. And now at this point, he's about 110 years old. And he is giving this command. It's a summary of his life as a faithful follower, a faithful one to the Lord God. So he says, fear God, serve the Lord with all faithfulness. Was Joshua perfect? No. There were times when he was deceived by the Gibeonites. There was times when he... Um, it was humiliated by the uh, defeat at Ai. There were times when he was anguished, and I'm sure times when he felt weak and inadequate, just like any of us. I think we can identify with Joshua, even though we are not the leader of a nation. All of us have a sphere of influence, and all of us have the privilege and responsibility to lead ourselves in how we're going to respond to God. And so I love that because Joshua is broken and imperfect, just like us. And so as we emulate Joshua, we want the same thing from ourselves, recognizing our imperfections. We want to be a people who are willing to be faithful who set that trajectory for our lives, even though we won't always be fully obedient. We want to be a people that keep short accounts with God, that deal with sin, and want to continue to see God at work as we lean on him. So Joshua gives that command, and then he follows it up, verse 15, a very well-known verse, or at least the last half of it here in chapter 24. And, and here's where we get him throwing down the gauntlet, where he throws out a challenge, just like we did. He says this in verse 15, But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So Joshua makes a stand. It's interesting to me that he even starts. Why would you start with all this stuff about, you know, you want to serve the Lord, then you just choose to serve. Well, I think what it is, it just gives us a, a small little peek into the heart of God, that he doesn't coerce us to love him. He doesn't coerce us to obey him. He doesn't make us to be robots. He has given us hearts, and that's why he says, as we read in Deuteronomy, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, Jesus adds. We are to be a people that are choosing faithfully to serve him. How did Joshua set that trajectory for his life? Well, it started 
when he was preparing to enter the land. He accepted the challenge. Even back then, in some way, he was saying, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So what I'd like to do is I would like to look at those two phrases. As for me, and I want us to look at what Joshua did to, to pick out principles that might help us in our own walk with Christ. And then I want us to look at the phrase, as for my house. As for me and as for my house. So how do we lead others? How do we disciple others relationally? How do we teach others to observe all that Christ has commanded them? So let's start with the first phrase, as for me, in verse 15. And we'll see how Joshua stayed faithful on a personal basis. First of all, if we go back to chapter 1, we, we see that Joshua is waiting expectantly for God to speak. He is at the river. Moses has died. They are across the Jordan River from the land that God will give to them. And so he's sitting there, and, and the river is rushing by, and it's got that beautiful sound that, that rivers have when you get to listen, to, when you get to sit with them and, and, and just uh, and enjoy God's uh, beauty and creation. And he's listening to that, but what he wants to hear is God. He is listening, and when God's people listen, God communicates. He needed to hear from God. Too often we're too busy in our overscheduled lives and carrying around our electronic leashes that we don't take time to listen. And if we do listen, we expect God to communicate right now. It's like, God, hey, I'm, I'm giving you a moment here, okay? I got a lot to do today, but I'm giving you this moment, so if you could just kind of squeeze in, let me know what I need to know, and that would be great. A couple of guys and I are going through a book called Restoring the Heart of a Man, or that's the subtitle, and uh, there was just a tremendous quote that has just echoed through my heart and mind all week, and, and this was it. Uh, he said, when, the, when, when we are busy, the Father is quiet. When we are busy, the Father is quiet. Why is that? It's because we're going a hundred different directions. We are so distracted. We are so busy. And we're just too busy to sit and enjoy our Savior, to treasure Jesus, to meditate on his word, to look to him. And so that's what Joshua is doing here. He's sitting here expectantly. He's been commissioned. He knows that he's to be the leader. All the people know that he's to be the leader. But now he wants God's word. When is it time to enter? God, are you going to guarantee that you're still going to give us ownership as we occupy the land? What the Lord does is he calls Joshua to strength and to courage here. We're going to see that in verses 6 through 9. He's going to do it three different ways. And, and what he does is he gives us command to be strong and courageous. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but most of the times when I read that, I think, Lord, I'd like you to make me strong and courageous. But the command is, be strong and courageous. Now, I think that the Lord gives him three reasons why he should be, but he is the one that's to step out faithfully. 
He is the one that is to agree with God that I will do this. I will have the strength and fortitude to do this, knowing that you will supply, you will deliver whatever I need. So in our case, in, in, in Joshua's case, it was to occupy the promised land, which he had promised, which God had promised and deeded to the Israelites. And in your case, in my case, again, it might be dealing with relationships or economic woes or physical uh, difficulties, all kinds of hardships. I mean, our, our life sometimes just feels like, you know, stepping stones from one difficulty and hardship to another, uh, a life of struggle. But God is in the midst of it, and he calls us to follow him in the midst of it. And he calls us to be strong and to be courageous. Well, God's commands come with a promise. He always pledges to deliver the power that we need to obey him. He doesn't leave us out there. And so what uh, God does, first of all, in verse 5, he, he lets uh, Joshua know that no one can come against you. No one can stand against you. No one can defeat you because of my unfailing presence and my help. So that's the first thing. He just lets Joshua know that. That's just a statement that he is giving to Joshua. And from personal experience, Joshua knew that this land was filled with trained warriors. It was guarded with fortified cities. And it was full of mountains and hills, so it wasn't the easiest to maneuver on attacking a new land. As I said, I'm sure he felt inadequate and weak at times. Well, it's here that we get this threefold call to courage with God giving him the ability and reassuring him. God gives him three assurances with the three charges to courage. And this is what they are. We're going to go through verse 6, then 7 and 8 together in verse 9. But the first one is this. God's servants are to be strong and courageous because of God's promises. Be strong and courageous because of God's promises. So this is what he says in verse 6. Be strong and courageous, for you shall give this people possession of the land, which I swore to their fathers to give them. So the commitment, the promise that God had made to Abraham, he says now, I'm going to get, now give this to my people. I want you to be strong and courageous. Courageous. This is my um, guarantee to you. This is my promise to you. And, and so Joshua had the privilege of leading these people into the land. We gain strength, fortitude, and comfort through God's promises. I received a, a call recently from an individual that was uh, dealing with a form of habitual sin, a problem that many of us deal with at one time or another in our Christian life. Not his problem, but the problem of uh, habitual sin. It can just rise up for any of us. And uh, this individual uh, had two issues. One was dealing with the sin, but the other one was uh, dealing with uh, wrong thinking, uh, with the lies of Satan. Because he had gone to a Christian brother and had... Um, and just asked for a little accountability and a little bit of encouragement. And, um, and his uh, friend told him, you know, you are sinning. And um, if Jesus returns, you're going to lose your salvation and go to hell. 
Now, how about that for kicking somebody when they're down? No encouragement, uh, incredible discouragement. And, and the worst of it is that that's a lie of Satan. So he and I talked, and, and we just started with the idea of our assurance that God gives us. So we looked at John 3:16. He who believes shall not perish, but have eternal life. He, we rejoiced as he told me again how he trusted Christ uh, a number of years ago, and how he's seen God at work in his life. We looked at John 3:36. He who has the Son has life. We looked at John 10:28, where Jesus says, I give eternal life, and they are in my hand, and no one can snatch them out of my hand. No one can snatch them out of the Father's hand. We looked at Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, where we're told that the Holy Spirit is a seal on our salvation until the day of redemption. And those promises of God, those statements given to us by God, lifted his spirit. They corrected his thinking. He could see the truth of God's word, and he didn't have to worry about not only this sin in his life, but also that he could lose his salvation at any moment. God gives us promises that we might be strong and courageous. And so as he goes forward and deals with his sin, he can do it with strength and courage as God supplies for him. He can do it based on the promise of God. That's the first thing we see. The second thing we see is that God's servants are to be strong and courageous because of God's power through his word. God's power through his word. If you ever want to have a, a great time and you ever want to learn what God's word is like, is just do a word study in, in, in scripture on God's word. You can start with Psalm 119. It's about 176 verses just all about God's word. But we learn so many great things. It is a guide, a lamp. It is uh, dynamic. It is living and powerful. It goes right to the intentions of our hearts. It is truth. It sanctifies us. It cleanses us. So many great things about God's word because it is so powerful. So this is what God said to Joshua in verse 7. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that you may have success wherever you go. Isn't it interesting that there's a stronger exhortation here? Be very courageous, which indicates that it takes greater strength of character to obey God than to win a military battle. This had to be strong and courageous in verse 7 or 6 to take the land. But here he's got to be strong and very courageous to obey God's word faithfully in order to be faithful and experience God's blessings through an abundant life. Joshua is to do three things with God's word, and we see that in verse 8. This is what he writes. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. So he is to take God's word, the book of the law, the five books that Moses was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write, and he is to do three things. The first one is to talk about it. Don't let it depart from your mouth. 
when we take time to study God's word and to read God's word, we are to talk about it or to discuss it. That does two things for us. One, by talking to others, it really begins to cement in our minds. It helps us process and think it through in greater ways. It helps us understand it in better ways as we try to explain it to someone else. And then it's also a form of relational discipleship as we are teaching them what God's word says so that we can help them. That's what we want our parents to do with Silas and Josie. That's the first thing we want to do is talk about God's word. The second is to think about God's word, to think about God's word. He says, meditate on it day and night. Biblical meditation is simply thinking about God's word. It's not meditation of the world where we try to uh, empty our mind of everything else. Uh, this is a time where we fill it with God's powerful word and let it take its effect. Let it begin to transform us. We meditate on it and we let the Holy Spirit teach us and give us greater understanding as to what it means and how to apply it in our lives. This is what we're doing when we meditate on it. The, the word literally means mutter. We just mutter about it. We just keep talking God's word under our breath so that we begin to understand it and so that we come into greater submission to it. It's just like a tea bag, which is dropped in boiling water. The longer that we leave that bag in there, the, the darker and the richer that that water becomes. So it is with God's word. The longer that you meditate on it, mutter about it, think about it, pray through it, the richer it becomes in your life and the more attached it becomes and the more integrated into your heart. So talk about God's word, think about God's word. And the last thing is be doers of God's word. He says, be careful to do according to all that is written in it. Be a doer of God's word. Don't simply read it. Don't simply talk about it. Don't simply think about it. Just do it. And as we often say, we know far more than we ever do. So be those who do God's word, who apply it in our lives, who are obedient. When we take time to listen to God through his word, he communicates to us. We must make the time in our schedules. Someone once asked uh, Dallas Willard for help in spiritual disciplines, and this is what the question was. My life, and I, and I read it because I think most of us can identify, my life feels out of control most of the time. The demands are never ending. I simply cannot find time for spiritual practices, including reading God's word, biblical meditation, prayer. What do you suggest? So Dallas thought for a moment, and he gave an answer that I think, again, applies to many of us. You will need to choose to take the time to consider why it is you do not have the time to practice the sorts of things you want to practice. You need to sit and give it thought. You need to decide, is this a choice I'm going to make that I carve it out on my calendar so that I can talk about God's word, think about God's word, and be a doer of God's word. God's servants are to be strong and courageous because of God's power through his word. The third thing we see in verse 9 is that God's servants are to be strong and courageous because of God's presence. So one of our favorite promises, right? We see it all throughout the New Testament as well. But this is what God says to Joshua in verse 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. 
Do not tremble or be dismayed. Don't be discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The presence of our Lord was committed to Joshua, promised to Joshua, just like the presence of our Lord is promised to us. Hebrews 13, Jesus says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Matthew 28, the great commission, the words before he left this earth in the ascension, I will be with you until the end of the age. Going back to verse 5, he said, I will not abandon you. I will not leave you in the lurch. Jesus is present with us when we trust him. And so he gives us the opportunity, the empowerment to be strong and courageous. You see, God isn't with us so he can follow us around and catch us doing wrong or condemn us. And he's not following us around just so that he can catch us when we fall. He does that. But he is with us to sustain us, to guide us, to be relied upon, to be trusted to be sufficient for all that we have. And so I love this analogy that somebody made, and I can't remember where I read it this week, but the, the, the idea that if we're too busy from life and we're just, we're, we're just drinking from you know, what we th think up or what we think about or what we see in the media or, or what somebody else tells us with some great little Christian cliche, we're, we're just drinking from the cesspool of sin. And when we go to God's word, we're drinking from living water. We're letting the streams of living water pour through us and transform us. So when God says this about being in my word, he's not laying down legalistic rules and duties. He's saying, man, I want you to delight in this because here it's going to turn you inside out. It's going to transform you. It's going to make you more like Jesus. This is going to let you experience my love, joy, and peace. It's going to give you calm in the storm. It's going to give you guidance when you're lost. I am with you, and my word will be active in your life. We are to follow God, remembering that he is present with us. Courage keeps us faithful because he is with us. And because he is with us, we have strength and fortitude. That's how Joshua led himself. So we've gone all the way back to chapter 1, which is probably about a 25-year span through the book of Joshua, from the time of chapter 1 to the time that he's given these final words near his death. And so that's what guided Joshua through all the battles to come, through all the leadership decisions, through all the drama of a country. And, and then how did he lead others? How did he lead his house specifically? It says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Well, let's look at how Joshua stayed faithful in leading his people. And again, as I said earlier, I think this applies to all of us, especially to fathers, because we have this responsibility before God for our marriages and our homes. 
but also to everyone, every one of us, because God has given us a sphere of influence in which we influence and impact others, whether it's a neighbor in an apartment across the, the, the parking lot or it's somebody at work or an extended family member. God has given us these opportunities. So what can we learn from Joshua? I see two things that are clear. We go back to the end of the book here, chapters 23 and 24. In 23, he gives a final challenge to uh, the Israelites, and in 24, he gives a final charge. And what we get here are two historical perspectives. Chapter 23 is a short-range perspective, and in this one, the bottom line is this. Remember your spiritual heritage. So if you're leading others, what you can tell them is, remember your spiritual heritage. That's what Joshua does here for the people. And so what he does in 23 is he basically goes through and enumerates for them all of God's grace and all of God's work in victory after victory. This is their recent history. And so he lets them know that. This is what he says in 23, verse 3. And you have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations because of you. For the Lord your God is he who has been fighting for you. What incredible words. And what incredible confidence that gives to one to realize that the Lord our God is the one who is fighting for us. Remember your spiritual heritage. It is God who has brought you to this place. And then verse, uh, chapter 24, the second point in leading others is that anchor yourselves in God's grace. Be rooted. Realize that everything you have is because of God's grace, that you have nothing that is not of God's grace. And so it is something to be celebrated and rejoiced and certainly something to be leaned on. What he does in chapter 4, verses 1 through 13, is he goes all the way back to Abraham. And he shows how God chose Abraham and created this nation. And then how God chose Moses and Aaron and then how he delivered them from Egypt. And he goes on through the history the, the short history at this point of Israel. But what he's doing is he's showing that God has done all this. In fact, he lets God speak. In those 13 verses, 17 times, God says, I did this. I did this. It's a great opportunity to recognize God at work. And that's why we often say one of the great things you can do with brothers and sisters in Christ or with your children or your spouse is to count your blessings. You're just acknowledging, God, you did this. Another thing you could do by way of application is something that God had Joshua do in chapter 4. When they crossed the Jordan River for the first time and God let them know that he had brought them to the land, he said, I want you to go back, one member from each tribe, and take one stone. We're going to build a little memorial of stones here. So that when your children ask, what is that memorial about? You can say, God did this. He brought us from the wilderness. He brought us from Egypt. He brought us to this land. He gave us this land. And so what you might do, you can do it in conversation at the, the dinner table. How has God done this? You can memorialize it. What, what prayers has God answered? You might even just put something on the wall or create a piece of jewelry that, that commemorates God at work in your life to celebrate his goodness. Well, the end product to all of this is we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. One scholar says this is interpreted as serious godliness. It's a little intimidating for me. So I like to think of it as loving obedience. 
this is the final act of faithfulness. This is the trajectory that we want to set in our lives. We will serve the Lord. We will respond to him in loving obedience because of his mercies, because of all that he has done, because of the calling he places on our lives. May our lives be a daily dedication to serve the Lord because we are strong and courageous especially through the power of his word and his presence and his promises. But also because we remember God is faithful and because he is faithful, we can be faithful. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this uh, challenge from Joshua's life. And, and even as we look at these elements, we, we, we hardly uh, touched on, on everything that, that you did in Joshua's life and through Joshua's life. And we give you thanks that you have given us your word to study, to understand. We pray that you would, by your grace, stir our hearts in ways that cause us to be more faithful to you. Allow us to be challenged by whatever one uh, element of Joshua's life and your work in him that, that we need to hear, that we might be more faithful, that we might uh, continue to pass along your faithfulness to others. And we give you thanks in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand together. Sin. 
Jesus Christ, His death and resurrection. Why should I gain from His reward? I cannot give an answer, but this I know with all my heart. His wounds have paid my why should I gain from his reward? I cannot give an answer, but this I know with all my heart. His wounds have paid my ransom. Righteousness alone 
Faultless to stand before the throne. Faultless to stand before the throne. Faultless to stand before the throne. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. A solid rock I stand All other ground is sinking sand All other ground is sinking sand Thank you guys for being with us today. Have a great week.